Welcome to the Switch Focus Podcast, voted the most diverse podcast featuring two white men called Andrew on iTunes. Welcome to episode four. In the next hour or so, our charismatic panellists and me will talk about the latest news and releases for the Nintendo Switch. With me once again is Ginny Wu. Hey. And Andrew Brown. Hello. And how are you guys this week? Can't complain. I'm playing Pokken, so I'm pretty happy. I'm doing fine. How are you? (laughs) I'm not too bad. So we'll get straight into it and we'll talk about some updates from last week's episode. So... Last week, we're all getting really excited for Doom on Switch. Now, some people have had their excitement dampened a little by the news that it's probably going to run at 30 frames per second, which is something we probably expected. Called it! You did, yeah. Yeah, as usual, the internet's in uproar because, you know, it's not going to be 60 frames a second. And I don't care. Have you guys seen the video footage? Because it, it, it looks to play the same. Um, I have seen it. I don't think... At least from the clips that we've seen, I don't think it's going to make like a ridiculous difference in the momentum of play. But I mean, obviously there are some noticeable differences. And if you're one of those people that's like, ah, oh, my frame rate, then this is going to be an issue for them. But I think I'm going to reserve my judgment till I can actually see more or lengthier gameplay footage. Like, I think I brought this up last week, but I think that Doom particularly is a game about momentum. And, um... I just hope that the 30 frame rate drop isn't going to affect at all like the clarity of delivery in terms of like speed and precision and stuff like that, like just citing that stuff in the game. I think we haven't seen enough footage quite yet for me to make a like determinative judgment on that. I don't know how Andrew feels, but um I'm always hesitant to judge a game. Uh, well, first of all, I don't really put visual quality very high on my list of priorities when it comes to a video game, but especially when I'm looking at a video, there's always degradation in the capture process. It's just naturally part of reproducing an image, so you can't really tell what a game's actually going to look like just from a video, no matter how high quality it is, and I can't tell you how many times I've looked at a video and said, look at how terrible this looks, and I said, well, yeah, it's because... You captured it terribly because you got crap hardware. So uh, it's impossible to really to tell how good it is or is not going to look until we actually have it in our hands and are playing it. And I have read several testimonials now by people who actually have sat down and played the game who said that the visual difference is apparent, but once you sit down and are playing it, it doesn't matter that much because it still runs great. From my point of view... Nothing tunes me out more from a gaming conversation than frame rate discussions. It's yep. just boring. Does it play well? Yes, then who cares? Yeah, if you're listening if you're listening to this episode on a computer right now, I want you to go onto Google right now and open up image search and type in the original NES box cover for Little Nemo the Dream Master. And look up in the top right corner where the box brags about the high-definition graphics. We're talking about an NES game here. 
This discussion <laughs> has always existed, and it will never go away, and it is always irrelevant. Now, of course, it's all come about because of the uh, Digital Foundry um, evaluation, and I saw several tweets where people had uh, checked out as soon as they said it was 30 frames per second, but like, their use of the word confirmed is very tenuous, because they, they played it in handheld mode briefly, but their in-depth tests were conducted using a compressed video feed from Nintendo, and a PC spec similarly to the Switch, um, which is not an ideal comparison in my opinion. I believe Bethesda has since come out and confirmed in an official video release that it is 30 FPS. Okay, and that's fine. That's what we expected. Um, now, yeah. So for, you mentioned the uh, you've seen you've read accounts of people that have played it. Yes. Um, I took note of IGN's here, and there's a quote as well that that sort of restored my belief in the port which was the most important thing for a doom port to get right is that sense of speed sprinting through martian facilities with grace and fluidity as you tear demons limb from limb and the switch version nails that side of it simply put it feels exactly like doom i think that speaks volumes myself i was a little disappointed when the news came out uh i did (laughs) a very knee-jerk reaction went right on and cancelled my Doom pre-order, because as I was like, I have it on PS4, I can just play it on PS4 and get a better frame rate quality out of it, but I got to thinking about it more, and I want to support the Switch, I want to support Bethesda's first, well I guess second big game coming out on it after Skyrim, and I went back on and I re-ordered it again, because (laughs) I'm fickle, (laughs) but uh, the frame rate doesn't really matter and you know i get it portably so i can do all the challenges when i'm away from the house which is pretty much the only time i will probably have time to do them so yeah i i look at it as a trade-off but an acceptable one yeah and that's the thing right i think a lot of the people that will be buying this won't be those who are experiencing it for the first time it's been out for well over a year they it's going to be people who have already played it that are going to be excited to play it again and wherever they like and uh talking of games that may or may not be performing well uh, NBA 2K18, so I, I talked a little bit about my brief experiences with it last week, and I had positive things to say because the, the game engine's pretty solid, it looks nice, but I have had some issues start to seep in, mainly in the my player mode, or the my career mode, um, which is where you, you create a character, gets picked up by an NBA team, and you go through their career, through the training, and, and getting selected and stuff, uh, and there's a heap of like audio issues where it just goes like poppy or just cuts out altogether there's heaps of like animation issues and then just to top it off my save file corrupted oh Oh, that's awful which sucks um but even worse than that like just the the general storyline and the writing of that storyline is really really bad and i'm kind of glad because i didn't want to carry on with that so my recommendation of that has been checked a little if you're getting it just for the game engine to play some basketball games or just to play the general manager career it's fine but if you're getting it for the my career and the my player stuff i would probably avoid until they patch it Mm. that's too bad i think that's the first switch game i've heard of where it has major problems like that that's that's really too bad yeah and of course we have we haven't even spoken about the file size issue where it's like (laughs) The, the, the save file is bigger than the entirety of Mario Odyssey, which is just crazy if you think about it. Damn. 
Yeah, it's not the first game. It's probably been like that, though. Like, Minecraft, I think, is like an 800 me- megabyte download, but the save file, the quote-unquote save file, is uh, 8 gigabytes, because <laughs> that's your Ooh. that's your entire world right there. Yeah, I think that increases the more you customize stuff and the more world you have as well, so that, that, that's, that's kind of fair enough, but you don't expect it from, like, a contained sports sim. It's really weird. So now we're going to switch focus to this week's news. Uh, can can oh, you believe? Wow. Can you believe that we're four episodes in and no one's made that joke yet? Um, <sighs> now, uh, first up is the kind of weird but also really touching way that Nintendo have chosen to honor Iwata in the Switch's uh, firmware. So Andrew briefly mentioned it last week about that they'd found that the there was a NES emulator embedded into the Switch. And that golf had been running on it in some some form. We didn't have all the details then. Apparently, some hackers have been putting the switch to task and have discovered that it's a tribute to Iwata. So basically, the the NES golf game was something that he practically coded on his own. And then once a year on the anniversary of his death, you can trigger it by using the Joy Cons to perform his iconic hand movement from the Nintendo Directs. What did you guys make of this? Um, I think it's a cool way to memorialize um, someone, especially in Iwata's position, who has done so much for the company and is such an iconic public figure. I think it's a cool thing. Um, Also, kind of slightly morbid, um, in my opinion. But um, I guess I can see how having that can sort of be like a a shrine to, I guess, his memory and his work, which is the golf game. But I guess in terms of whether or not I think that these gestures are cool or more people should do them um, or you know you should sort of have easter eggs in games like this that sort of tie meaningful events to particular interactions with the switch that capitalize on things like motion control it could be cool i love easter eggs um, i like puzzling things out breadcrumbs to follow stuff like that so in this particular instance i think it's really touching and nice and I'd like to see sort of other things, other initiatives like this, but probably not related to the death of people that work for Nintendo. I'm not too sure what to make of it. Last week I predicted that it was a testing bed for the upcoming subscription service they're going to have. So, you know, if you're going to have an NES emulator, you may as well have a game on it that works. So it made sense that there was a, a working golf game built into the Switch, but we've learned more about it since then. And I have questions about how intended this was. Like, uh, I've read that it only works in an unpatched version, that it's still on the the launch firmware update. Uh, I think I read more. It was that um, if you've ever connected it to the internet, they can tell if you've changed the date to activate it. Oh, okay. That was my understanding. Yeah, because it's July 11th, I think, is the only day it works, but... Well, next July 11th may roll around, and I'll probably be reminded to try it then, but it's a neat idea. It's kind of equal parts sweet and morbid, but I try not to focus too much on things like this because uh, with the mass media we have now and how long it's been around, if we were to focus all the time on people who are dying, then we would never get anything done. So I just let's just focus forward. Moving on, Galgun 2 has been confirmed for Switch, coming to EU and North America in 2018. Now, what is this? 
Okay, I am so glad you asked, and Andy and Andrew, by periphery, you're going to figure out what this game is too. What the hell is this? <laughs> okay, <laughs> so for anyone that hasn't played it or heard of it, clearly the both of you, it's sort of like a riff on the whole Cupid shot me concept, where basically to your alarm and detriment, every woman that you meet is violently and romantically attracted to you. Oh, okay, that's and a male fantasy right there. <laughs> it is. And your job is to then fend off these women by shooting them with a gun that sort of dispenses pheromones, and then so they're sort of calmed down so you can escape and live to see another day. God. <laughs> oh my god. So yeah, it's not so much about getting girls as getting them to stay away from you. <laughs> This is like an Axe body spray commercial made into a video game. It is legitimately that. Like, that is exactly it. Women will just come up to you on the street and they'll start trying to harass you and touch you and, you know, do all the things that women in the Axe body spray commercials do to the poor hapless man on the beach. Um, so that is basically the essence of Galgun. Where Galgun 2 is a bit different, though, is you kind of are meant to be figuring out who your true love really is amongst all of this female attention. Um, so it's an interesting game. Um, it is a bit controversial for some people because of the age of everyone involved. They're all in high school. Oh, come on. So it's like a bunch of high school dudes and high school girls, and they're all wearing high school Japanese uniforms. So obviously there is some, you know, there are some dissenters out there who hate it basically because it has those trappings associated with it um i mean the game has also been deemed too hot for kiwis by the new zealand office of film and literature classification that's the original galgun that is they've banned it in the country so um if, if you are sort of looking for a barometer of how explicit you think the game might be new zealand has banned it um but it's not really that bad um there are some slightly NSFW trappings, like a game mode whereby you sort of slow down time and you figure out a girl's weak spots and those are mostly located in sensitive areas on the female body um, and things like that. But the Galgun 2 for the Switch looks to be specifically made for the Switch, like there are motion control segments that and motion control weapons that you that utilize the Joy-Con um, elements of the console. So it looks like this wasn't just like a game; they just slapped onto it. My imagination is just running wild at this point. <laughs> they yeah, they really did think about using every aspect of the console. So I guess to sum it up, it is a niche game. I liked the first one; I thought it was hilarious, quite tongue in cheek. It was a good rail shooter. I enjoyed it. I'll probably get it. Um, if it's available in my region, obviously, disclaimer. But I am sort of a bit more interested in it from the perspective of someone who sees it as Nintendo shedding its kid-friendly image in a way. Um, but as to whether or not we'll see more games like this, sort of more explicit, maybe more violent games or FPS games in the future, I guess, apart from Doom and Wolfenstein, I guess that's something that we can discuss at a later stage. And um, we look forward to hearing you talk about that some more in the future. Moving on, Minecraft again. So the uh, Minecraft Better Together update has been rolling around to all platforms except Switch, which has been delayed. If it means it works better, that's cool with me. Uh, I tend to play on my, on my lonesome anyway, or co-oping with the missus. But regardless, I think the update's really cool that we'll be able to play like cross-platform between Xbox and Switch, or PC and Switch. That, that's kind of cool. Now, the wife picked up 
Minecraft on Xbox again today, and I had a quick look at the update. It's pretty impressive. There's you can download heaps of mods and and custom made skins and things, and then they're adding in this this thing called realms, which is like a persistent world you can create where anyone can jump in even if you're not around, which seems seems pretty cool. Now, Andrew, you were more of the the Minecraft fan out of uh, you and Ginny. Are you looking forward to this one? I don't know if I am or not. I kind of like the way Minecraft is right now on Switch because it's very solitary. Uh, There are people who can join your game, but it feels like you're connecting to somebody else's private play session. It doesn't feel like a totally public open thing yet. So I'm not really looking forward to opening up the doors to everybody in the universe, even though I can obviously just disable that option. But I'm more looking forward to the 4K resolution update, which the Switch is supposed to be getting, although I don't know what use it would be on the Switch. Yeah, I mean, just from the bit the wife was playing before, it definitely looked a little sharper. One of the things they showed at E3 is that the graphic update is adding uh, real-time lighting effects, and it just made everything look so much more better. So I'm looking forward to the uh, Minecraft getting a visual upgrade. Yeah, just just now when she was playing, it started raining and the the sky looked like realistically cloudy instead of just being that that weird off blue color. Oh, that was kind of cool. Okay. Um, and also interesting that we'll get the Halo skins on the Switch version <laughs> too. That's the... that's heresy right there. What next, Sonic on a Nintendo platform? <laughs> <laughs> hey, but I I take the first uh, three Halo games as a port if if that was on the cards. Hell yes, I would too. Meh. Next up is that Square Enix haven't fully given up on bringing full fat Final Fantasy XV to the Switch yet. Uh, they're currently in discussion with Epic about using the Unreal Engine to achieve that. I, for one, am really excited about this because I'm a huge fan of Final Fantasy XV. 120 glorious hours spent. I know Andrew will be less enthused. I have not forgiven Square Enix for Final Fantasy XIII. And uh, <laughs> I bought 15 last year. I played it for like 10 hours. I got to the second area. The driving was interesting, that whole mechanic. But as an RPG, maybe I just didn't dive deep enough into it to enjoy it. But it just felt really chaotic and random. I didn't feel like I had a lot of control over what was actually happening in the battlefields. Uh, but... Again, maybe I just didn't get deep enough into it, but again, again, I also played for a dozen hours, and if I haven't been able to scratch into an RPG by that point, I just, I think Final Fantasy is really off from where it used to be, and Final Fantasy XV has done nothing to change my mind on that. I'm, I'm going to freely admit I'm something of a Final Fantasy thirteen apologist. Secondly, um, I freely admit that 15 is a bit of a mess, but it's a fun mess. Andrew seems unconvinced. <laughs> I know that they're putting out the Pocket Edition, which has everybody in like a, a super deformed or a chibi style. I, If they change more than just that and make it a more accessible and coherent game, I might be interested in it in that form. But Final Fantasy 15 on the Switch, uh, released as it currently exists on PC and other consoles, if... I could go either way. You know, maybe once it's portable, I will actually be able to dive into it and really understand what's happening in it. But I'm not 
enthused and I'm not going to be disappointed if it doesn't happen. And what about you, Ginny? Um, well, I, like Andy, have enjoyed 15. Um, and I thought it was, like Andy said, a mess, but a fun mess. And I like everything that they've, everything that they've done, I guess, to sort of keep the game up to date and all the content they've added to sort of keep the replayability effect going. So I appreciate that, but I also play the Final Fantasy MMORPG, so I'm quite deep in the Final Fantasy fan hole, um, if you want to put it that way. But I would actually prefer the Switch release to be the Pocket Edition, where everyone's a chibi and, you know, um, the storyline and everything is basically the same, but I think they cut out some of the extraneous bits and the exploration's not as tedious. Um, so I would want the Switch version to be the pocket one, mainly because, you know, I've got a PS4, I can just play it on the PS4 if I did want to play Final Fantasy XV, and don't really feel the need to have it available in a portable form to me, but I would like to sort of re-experience it from, like, a different angle. I think the Switch is perfect for that, for the mobile or pocket edition, so that's my take on it anyway. You know what? Give me both versions. Yeah, why not? Problem solved. That way we can both be happy. (laughs) And I'll be over here. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Next up is the news that Playdead's Inside is coming to Switch. Uh, now, I haven't played Inside yet on any other format, so this would be a good one for me to get on the bandwagon. Now, this is by the Limbo developers, right? Yeah, that's correct. Either of you played this one? No, I played Limbo, but that's it. Uh, I have not, but what I have seen of it has looked amazing. I love platformers like this, and I want to see more of them on the Switch. So I hope this is a portent of what's to come. Cool. I don't think we've got a release date on that one yet. And lastly, a Netflix app is apparently ready to roll, only awaiting Nintendo's approval. Uh, All I have to say is that is... Meh. It's a nice addition. It won't be a place I watch Netflix. I'd rather save my battery for games, and I have an iPad for the for all the other stuff. Yeah, I don't care about having it on the Switch at all. I just don't give a damn about that. So cool, I guess, if you want to watch it like that, but it's not for me. I've got Netflix installed on just about all of my screens. Uh, I really only watch it on my PC and on my Wii U, depending upon what it is I'm doing. Uh, I will absolutely, therefore, install it on my Switch, but I doubt I will ever use it all that much. Although it would be nice if it would uh, keep track of how long you've been using it like it does with all your other games, so I could actually have a tally there of how much of my life I've invested in Netflix. Let's move on to this week's releases. So, first up is Thimbleweed Park. Now, a couple of us were excited for this one, but I don't think any of us have had a chance to play it. (laughs) Sadly not. Exactly. I prioritized uh, (laughs) another release this week, but I am getting it. Um, It looks wacky, and it looks like a throwback to early 90s adventure games, specifically Maniac Mansion and Day of the Tentacle. Uh, I just hope... And actually, I already know this isn't true, but I'm going to say it anyway. I was hoping that it wouldn't have a lot of the random nonsense with just, here's a box full of items, now figure out how they fit together so you can get through this room. I, I'm i not a big fan of that kind of thing in adventure games, which is unfortunately what 90s adventure games mostly consist of. 
but I think I'll have a good time with it anyway. I'll, I'll give it a chance. I'm hoping I'll like it. Yeah, main reason I hadn't played it yet is because I want to be able to play it from start to finish, and I didn't think it was um, it would be worthwhile just giving like quick impressions on it. So that's why I skipped that one for now. I'm sure we'll talk about it in a future episode. Sounds good to me. Once I'm done with beating everyone up in Pokken, I'll get round to it. <laughs> and of course, talking of Pokken, we all picked this one up. Um, I'm a massive fighting game fan, so I was uh, keen for this one, and I really underplayed it on the Wii U, so it's nice to be able to put that right. Boy, how are you guys finding it so far? Well, I, for one, love it. Um, I love Pokemon. You could literally sell me anything if you just slapped a Pikachu on it, which they have in Pokemon Tournament DX. Two Pikachus, specifically. So, double thumbs up from me. But on a serious note, I played it on the Wii U, also underplayed it on the Wii U, and I'm quite happy to have the chance to actually play through more of it this time around. I am loving it predictably, um, and I think the single player mode might have a difficulty curve issue in the sense that it seems a bit too easy. I'm not sure if you guys oh, yeah. can corroborate oh, this. Oh yeah, definitely. It's way too easy. But yeah, it feels like I'm just sort of like beating up on Pokemon left, right, and center without a care in the world, which is fine and all. But I mean, I guess for me, the main draw is to finish the story mode and then get on to kicking my friends' butts because the PvP is really where it's at for me. Okay, so like um, famously, it's not just like Tekken with Pokemon, is it? It's, you've got like two two fighting phases. One one is like an arena thing where you can run around freely and shoot projectiles, and then certain moves trigger like a two D plane which is more like your yeah. typical fighting game. Um, I have to admit, I, I spend the whole of the field phase hoping like hell that I can hit <laughs> someone and turn it into the dual phase because that's just the type of fighting <laughs> game I prefer. Uh, but it's, it's good to change it up. I, I find that helps me get out of um, like endless combos and stuff. It's a way to change it up a little. In a previous episode, we talked about the Pokken demo, which I played, but I didn't play all the turns they give you. I played three matches, one with each of the Pokemon they give you to play as, and then I was done. I was pretty ambivalent towards it. It basically sucked out any interest that I actually had in Pokken, which is really a shame, because actually once I sat down with the full retail version of the game, I actually quite enjoyed myself. I like fighters but i'm not good at them i can put together a combo i don't button mash but i don't have an understanding of the metagame usually so i can do okay against the computer and i will play for hundreds of hours in the case of a game like mortal kombat 10 or thousands of hours with smash brothers but i will almost never play against other people i just play against the computer because i'm just having a good time with it and I was not able to have a good time with the demo because it was just the fighting game and it's a more technical fighter. The different mm. characters don't seem to have like all the special abilities, which is what really draws me towards a game like Mortal Kombat. But you have to stay a lot more focused on what you're doing because you just have your basic abilities to work with because that's all there are is basic abilities. Uh, so I like that aspect of it. But just being a very casual fighter fan, even the deepest, richest fighting system isn't going to keep me with the game. What keeps me with it is all the progress systems, which were completely absent from the demo. There's like hundreds of titles to unlock, and there's 
character levels for all of the Pokemon that are in the game, and there's avatars you can unlock things for. Just that kind of stuff I eat up. It keeps me playing even the most monotonous game forever and ever and ever. So I am not going to be the person to talk to about the Pokken metagame, but I am going to be, <laughs> I am probably still going to play this for a good couple dozen hours at least. Yeah, I'm going to unlock all the outfits. So many outfits. I love the outfits. It's ridiculous. Um, so who, who, who are you guys maining at the moment? Ah, uh, Suicune all the way. Lucario. Lucario for me as well, and sometimes Pikachu. Really? Yeah. Oh. I, I think it's because he's most like a traditional fighting game character. Yeah, fair enough. I think Weevil is quite good as well, similar to Lucario. Okay, it's just because he's, yeah, he's like the most human fighter, and he's sort of helping me come to terms with the systems more. I picked him because he said standard. <laughs> <laughs> And he wasn't like a, an owl or a giant lizard or anything. I was like, okay, I think I can basically understand what this character is doing. Amazing. That was why I picked him. Okay, uh, and I just wonder how well it's going to cope when Smash Brothers inevitably gets released. It's going to get cannibalized, isn't it? Very likely so. Next up was SteamWorld Dig 2, which I believe Andrew has bought. Oh yeah. <laughs> Now I bounced I bounced off the original pretty hard uh, when I tried to play it on Vita. Um I have therefore decided to give it a miss for the time being, but I did buy the original again on 3DS and have been playing it today and I'm warming to it a bit more so this could be a purchase for me soon. What are you making of this one? Uh well, before I talk about Dig 2, I do want to talk about Dig 1. Uh I've heard about the Steam World series people were pretty lukewarm to dig from my memory, but Heist got, like, rave reviews. Uh, so I did go back and dig out my copy of the SteamWorld collection on Wii U, and I did play through Dig before Dig 2 came out, which I am very glad I did, because it really helped me to appreciate how much Dig 2 builds on Dig. Dig has ideas in it but it's a very shallow game you start like uh on the top of the town in this town called tumbleton and the whole game is just digging down to the bottom of the mines the whole game is a big column going down and the start of the game is the top of the column the end of the game is the bottom of the column there's not a real lot of variety on where you're going every so often you'll unlock you'll reach a new cave that most of the time is actually even optional for you to go in. If you do go in, there's a basic platforming puzzle inside. It takes you two or three minutes to finish it. Then you're back outside. You're digging down again. That is the entire game of Dig 1. Dig 2 is a much more ambitious game because there, the areas you are still digging down, but the areas that you're digging around in are much more spread out. There's multiple mine shafts that you dig down through over the course of the game, and it's much more accurate to describe this one as a Metroidvania than the original one. Uh, I really hate that term. Yeah, I don't. I'm not a fan of things like that either. Or Soulsborne. If I ever hear you call a game a Soulsborne, I'm going to call you out on it. Uh, <laughs> but just colloquially, I'm just going to use the word Metroidvania rather than diverging into that for a while. Uh, 
there's lots of optional upgrades to get this time around. Uh, there's actual... In the first one, you would buy an upgrade and you would have the upgrade. In this one, you have to find cogs, which you then use to spec into the upgrade tree, and there aren't enough cogs available to have every upgrade. So you have your very specific character build for different strengths and weaknesses. Makes the game much more interesting to play, and lets, lets you personalize it to how you want to play it. Uh, it's probably the best Switch indie game I've played since the first month the game has been out, Shovel Knight and Binding of Isaac. And this game is actually new. It's not a port of an old one. Highly recommend it. Pick it up. Cool. I might give it a look once I finish the original. Have you played either of these at all, Ginny? No, I have not. Not sure if it's the kind of game that I would be into, so I'm probably going to hard pass unless I hear some rave reviews from people that I know. We'll see how it you goes. You just heard one. <laughs> Yeah, but I've got my hands full with Thimbleweed Park. Yeah, fair enough. Now, this one I'm pretty sure isn't out on the Australian store here yet anyway, but uh, Lego Ninjago Movie Video Games. <laughs> is this, this, this is on... This. <laughs> That's I'm actually sorry. its name, folks. That's its name. <laughs> it, there's a new movie based on the Ninjago Lego range, I guess. Um, and this is the game of the movie. Of the brand owned by a corporation. <laughs> I assume no one's getting this one. Um, no. Um, I actually hadn't heard of Lego Ninjago until today, and I looked it up just before the podcast started, and I don't know what's going on. Um, I, not a big Ninjago fan. I still don't even know what a Ninjago is, and I've read the Wikipedia page, so it's not happening for me. I'm sorry. I don't know anything about it, so. No, if, just based on that. I haven't heard anything about it, except that it's coming out. So that's a pretty easy pass for me. Uh, I assume it's the usual Traveler's Tales format. Yeah. Um, and you're probably, just, you're probably just better up picking up Lego Undercover. That's on Switch already, I think. Yeah, it's, but yeah, Lego City Undercover, I think, is prob- not following the typical Traveler's Tales style, but I'm sure the Ninja Go movie is in that style. And lastly, we have this one called Soldom Drop Connect Arrays. This isn't on our store again either. What's this one about, Andrew? Uh, It looks like another puzzle game. Um, This one, you seem to drop dots down from the top of the ceiling. I think they're berries in the context of the game. And if you make a complete line at all color matches, then the line goes away. So it's kind of a cross between uh, Puyo and Tetris, it looks like. But uh, And it's got mm. the, uh, the anime story like overlaid on top of it. Uh, I, my understanding is it's a, a popular arcade game in Japan, but uh, I, got, I got Puyo Puyo Tetris, and I still haven't even finished that. So it, it's difficult for me to justify picking this one up. You heard of this one, Ginny? Um, all I knew was that it is an arcade game. Um, I don't know anything else about it, but like, I think if we've got Tetris, this kind of seems like an arbitrary, not quite necessary purchase. It looks cute though, I'll give it that much. Now, before we finish off, there was uh, one thing I wanted to talk about. I've noticed this trend of a heap of indie games that are basically clones of uh, some of Nintendo's most popular IPs appearing on the eShop. I'm talking the Oceanhorn and Zelda comparison. I'm talking Smash Brothers and Brawlout and Metroid and Axiom Verge. 
Um, what do you make of this? Is this? Do you think this is a deliberate thing to try and fill some of those gaps? Do you think that maybe it's just because these indie games are appearing on other formats, so why not the Switch as well? What, what What's the deal, what do you reckon? I think that it's just a logical next step for lots of these indie games. I mean, for most of them, the Switch isn't their first console rodeo. They've been elsewhere already. I think it's just a natural extension of these games, which are often smaller, sort of, I guess, designed to be a bit more accessible than appearing on a new console like this, which is all about accessibility and portability. Makes sense. I mean, I appreciate the spirit of them, but they're not really for me. I would rather play, you know, like Smash on a data console than play Brawl Out on the Switch. Um, but I'm also like drinking the Nintendo IP Kool-Aid, so... Um, <laughs> Nintendo products are, to me, the superior version. If I've got access to that on the eShop, I'm just going to buy that and play that. Obviously not trying to sledge the indie games here. They're probably really great at doing their own thing, and they're good at what they do. Clearly, they're popular. Most of the ones that you have mentioned have had a good reception. But, I mean, I would definitely much rather play Zelda than Oceanhorn. So that's my take on it. I'm happy that they're there. They give good diversity to the Switch ecosystem and the console ecosystem in general, but they're not going to be top of my list. So I think it was Brawlout, in fact, that made me raise this because it, it looks just like such a Smash Brothers clone. But it, it looks really good. I, I, it might just scratch that itch while, while Nintendo are dragging their heels on that one. Likewise, Oceanhorn, for me, was a good alternative. I love Breath of the Wild, but I still had that itch for the classic Zelda formula, and that, that kind of hit that a little bit, and, you know, was was interesting and... And it uh, was a good time while I played it. I think this is an incredibly complicated topic. So forgive me if I go on at length, and I'll try to keep this fairly coherent. But a lot of the indie game developers, they came up playing classic Nintendo games, often in ROM format. Uh, I know the guy whose name slips my mind now, forgive me, but the guy who made Undertale, Toby Fox. Uh, he got his start in game development doing ROM hacks of Earthbound. So then he turns around and makes Undertale, which looks an awful lot like Earthbound if you've ever played both games. Um, and Guess I, what? Is it coming to Switch? No, I've played neither. Yeah. That's all yeah. I was going to say. <laughs> I, own, I, own Earth, I own Earthbound twice. What a troll. Hashtag port all the games. Um... So then these developers, they have all this background in playing these classic games, and they are in an environment, and they are trying to sell to an environment that craves these Nintendo games on platforms that will never, ever see them. You're never... Well, that's changing now, now that Nintendo is embracing mobile, but in the past, in like the past 10 years during the rise of indie games, you never were going to see a Zelda game on a tablet, hence Oceanhorn. You are never going to see Earthbound on Steam, hence Undertale. So now Nintendo is opening up its gates finally. They're courting indie developers. They're exploring mobile. And there's this whole ecosystem of games and this whole culture of indie game development, most of them based on classic Nintendo franchises like Axiom Verge, which is basically Super Metroid. They're now coming onto the Switch now that it's open to them. And so we're getting games that look an awful lot like Nintendo's classic franchises, which is quote-unquote filling holes in Nintendo's release schedule because these games already existed and they're just being ported. 
And that's my take on this. Yeah, I think that's a good point. We can't discount people's mm. inspirations. A lot, of, a lot of these developers, like us, I, I guess, grew up playing great Nintendo games, and they're obviously going to put that in, into their work. Okay, moving on to our listener questions now. We've got some interesting ones. Uh, so, uh, MC Odd asks, is Galgun 2 going to be Switch's killer app? Ginny? Um, well, I mean, it may draw the PS Vita crowd off that console onto the Switch, perhaps, if we see games sort of in the spirit of Galgun. Maybe if we get some compile heart games going on the switch that could be it could be the catalyst for a bunch of killer apps i believe but i don't know if galgun 2 is going to be the killer app specifically that draws the japanese vita market over this way but we can hope i mean even after hearing your description before the answer is obviously no it's going to be final fantasy 15 thanks (laughs) we can dream okay galgun supporters can dream winter killer app skyrim nad it's going to be Mario Odyssey, but yeah. <laughs> the composer of our uh, awesome chiptune interludes you've been hearing over the last two episodes uh, is back again with a... I assume this is a joke question. Uh, it's many questions, actually. With Urban Champion Arcade finally confirmed, what's your favourite Urban Champion memory? When did you first discover it? What's your favourite version to play? Why do you think it has been overlooked by big fighting game tournaments like EVO? Who is your favorite? Sorry, I... who, who is your favorite urban champion <laughs> character? And what do you want to see in the inevitable 3D reboot? Well, Craig, to answer one of your questions, when did you first discover urban champion? When you brought the subject up, Craig. That's when I first learned about urban champion. Yeah, when I read it, I was like, what the hell is urban champion? And then I remembered there is a 3D version on the 3DS. So basically on the basis that that's the only version I'm aware of, that's the version I'm going to pick. Well, there's your 3D reboot then, too. It came out five years ago. Not very true. <laughs> oh, God. Ghetto Mold asks, uh, is Galgon 2 banned in New Zealand? I believe so. <laughs> and has a Switch game been banned anywhere yet? I think that's I think um, that's the answer. I don't think... Yeah, I don't think Galgon 2 has actually been banned yet. They haven't rated it. Um, they might now, after they find this and <laughs> figure out that it exists... Or is going to exist. But I hope not. But I don't think a Switch game has been banned anywhere yet. But a first for everything? New Zealand authorities, if you are listening to this podcast, stop now. (laughs) You heard nothing about Galgun (laughs) 2. I think New Zealand has more lenient classification criteria than Australia as well. So that's definitely getting banned here if there's rumours of it getting banned in New Zealand. Bullet Babomb asks... With Doom, Wolfenstein, and Skyrim all coming to Switch, is it possible that we'll see more mature-themed blockbuster games? And will this mean a return of gamers to Nintendo who had previously moved on to other consoles for those type of games? Um, I don't think it's necessarily going to to return people to Nintendo. I mean, with the games that you mentioned specifically, like Doom, Wolfenstein, and Skyrim, these are games that people that are probably going to buy this have already played on other consoles. I doubt they're going to shell out again for another handheld which might not have um other guess other similar games like this i think that the nintendo switch's library is pretty good we've got games like fifa and i guess doom and wolfenstein and it's sort of building up that library which has quote unquote mainstream appeal 
So I don't know if it will mean that gamers return to Nintendo per se, if it's just sort of going to be ports from of other console games. But it could see an uptake, I guess, if we get more traditional FPS games. I don't know, maybe if we get like Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2, some people will buy the Switch. I'm not sure, but I think that crowd that plays those games are pretty happy on the PS4 or the Xbox. Jose is a buddy, so I, I hope he takes this in the spirit intended, but I resent the idea of mature-themed games. Because, uh, well, first of all, Binding of Isaac was a launch game in the Switch in the U.S., so the mature games have been there this whole time. But just the idea that Doom or Wolfenstein are mature games just on the basis that they're violent, I, I resent that idea because usually when I play a game where the violence is the main draw, if not the whole point, I quickly see that they're not mature at all. They are very immature. I can't speak to Doom, uh, but from what I've read of it, there's not a whole lot there except for running around a base shooting things which is great but that's not a mature storyline and like wolfenstein what makes it mature is not that you're decapitating nazis it's that you're dealing with the idea of american culture that didn't win world war ii and took over was taken over by nazis and and the resulting oppression that's brought on minorities in our culture that's what's mature about wolfenstein not that you're garroting people so when I look at the Switch, which has, like, thematically mature games like Binding of Isaac or Breath of the Wild, which I think is the most mature game on the Switch, because you need to come at it with a philosophy of exploration and growth and understanding of everything that's happening in this world. I would be very astonished if a child was able to play Breath of the Wild and understand everything that's happening in the game, everything that has happened, which has made the world the way it is, and actually engages with all the systems and finds all 120 shrines and understands all the characters. Nintendo games struggle with the label of being kiddie, and I'm not going to defend every game they've ever made, but I think the Nintendo Switch is very mature already. Uh, for me, I just see it as Nintendo trying to ensure that there's something for everybody on their console, which is a smart move, I think, because you, you're bound to pick up all types of people along the way. And, and I certainly think, you know, uh, people who, who really love Doom and would want to play it again might actually look at the Switch as a console to buy to play it on and play it around the house or play it out and about. Now, remember, you can send your questions and responses to our Twitter feed, at SwitchFocusPod, or our Facebook account, or via our website and its handy contact form. Thanks for listening to this episode of Switch Focus Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review on iTunes. It really helps us get noticed. You can also listen and subscribe on Stitcher, TuneIn, and other podcast services. Hey, why not also check out our YouTube channel, where we regularly upload the first hour of many of the games we play and discuss on the podcast. Follow us on Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, and at switchfocuspodcast.com for updates, news, and other content. Now you can follow the three panelists on Twitter. Uh, Andy is at Flame Roast Toast, Ginny at Ginny Woes, and I 
and at Play Critically. Um, just a quick note, sadly there won't be an episode next week as Ginny will be recovering from having her wisdom teeth removed and Andrew has decided to leave his house for some reason. There is life <laughs> outside your apartment. <laughs> Feel free to send Ginny some good vibes, whether that's simply through the ether or through well wishes via Twitter. And we'll be back the week after. And that's it from us. Goodbye. Bye. Goodbye.